Praise God. Praise God. I was just so amazed when I came in here and saw Sister Grant playing the, the piano. This morning, I helped her out the car. I said, I feel like I'm involved in a funeral here. It's going along so slow and helping her. And is there anything I can do for you? <coughs> I come in here and she's up there just playing away. <coughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Sister Grant is an amazing woman. Praise God. She has more stamina than I have. Of course, uh, they say that comes from, stamina comes from your will, you know. <laughs> uh, she has a very strong constitution. Now, why is everybody laughing? I'm trying to brag on her. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm laughing. I certainly love my wife. It is good to have her here. My wife just goes every place with me, and, of course, church is always here, and I come to church without her and go around without her all week, and I just feel like, I don't know. Well, it's just not right. But it's so good to have her here. Praise God. John, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> Verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Knock and it shall be open. <laughs> then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And I want to speak this morning on the subject, a good memory. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's amazing to me that people could walk with God and see all of the things that God did and yet just turn their back on him. Now, that's, that's an amazing thing to me. I just, I, I just can't, uh, I can't believe that someone could be in the presence of Jesus and forsake him. They did, though. There's several things that I, I, I can understand uh, about the day of Jesus that I can't particularly understand about today and then then vice versa. Uh, I think when Jesus was here, I mean, if you were not acquainted with his mir miraculous works, if you were not acquainted with all of his good deeds, and if you were only on the periphery where people were scoffing, mocking, making fun, I can understand why that you might be embarrassed somewhat to be associated with them on that side of the cross because here's a man that basically he had nothing, was not a wealthy man. Uh, he seemed to have no political ambitions at all. He didn't set out to change any social structure. You notice that. He just 
He didn't do that. He had one mission in mind. He was well focused in on that. That is, he came to seek and save that which was lost. But because that he was a carpenter's son, because that he grew up in a very poor type environment, uh, because of the association that he had with his hometown, which uh, evidently this little town of Nazareth had some kind of a stigma attached to it, it was not well thought of. And if you notice in Mark the 6th chapter, the Bible says that, that uh, they came and, and they made this statement. They said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph the carpenter? And are not these his brothers and sisters? And the Bible says that they, they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. Now, if you lived on the other side of the cross, and that's all you saw of Jesus... I can understand why people would be embarrassed. Now, today, I can't understand that. After the story of the resurrection, after the revelation of who Jesus Christ really was, uh, living especially in our day in which, uh, even though Christianity is, is frowned upon by a lot of people, I'll tell you what, uh, there is no real stigma attached to being a Christian. Uh especially here in America. Now, I mean, if you get on fire for God, there's a lot of peer pressure and a lot of, lot of uh, possibilities of being misunderstood. I think a lot of people don't really get on fire for the Lord because when you do, you will be misunderstood. But as far as the overall stigma attached to being a Christian, it's just certainly, uh, it's, it's not there. And so as a result, uh, living on this side of Calvary, after all the songs have been written about the Lord and the multitudes who have been produced from the fold of Christ and gone into the various parts of the world to preach the gospel because of the churches that are on every corner, it doesn't take you long when you leave this church to find another one. Drive across our city, there's churches all over. Why would anybody want to be embarrassed? when someone calls them a Christian. I mean, how, you know, you'd really have to have a complex about what you were associated with if you, if you were embarrassed. But when we look at the flip side of the coin, I, I, uh, I can't see how anybody could walk with Jesus and turn away. Now today, I think if people walk with Jesus and they turn away, it's a result of just having a bad memory that's that uh, you know they just they just just have a bad memory. How many times have you heard people think like this? Now you can't hear people think, but they make little comments and statements that lead you to believe they're thinking like this. If things don't go quite right, I think I'll just give up. You know that? I spoke to Sister Grant is having a strong will, a strong constitution. And I, I say that complimentary. It is so easy in our present day to just quit. 
And the reason why? Because there's so many opportunities. You see, that there's a lot of pressures against Christians that really have nothing to do at all with their personal belief. Not at all. There's pressures on the job. There's, pre there's, there's, there's pressures in society. You've got to look a certain way and dress a certain way, and, and, and you've you got to be accepted because you have to have a, so many degrees. And, and you've got you, you to drive a certain, you know, you've got to live in a certain, everything. That's, this is the kind of pressure we have in our world today. It really has very little to do with being a Christian because a Christian can live in all of this and do all of this and seems to fare quite well. But, but we have this, this constant agonizing, gnawing inside of us that, that you know, things have just got to go right. We're programmed for success. We're programmed to believe that, that every man needs to be very, very successful. Now, do you believe that a man needs to be successful? Absolutely. But I believe that there are a lot of distorted views about success. So, when things don't go right, we have a tendency to just make little statements, little comments about well, think I'll just quit. Think I'll just give up. Now, I had someone in my office about, uh, about a year ago now, and I made reference to this, and uh, we, we got a real chuckle out of it. And the reason, only reason why I'm making reference, it was in a counseling session, and, and uh, I asked this person, I said, but now if you forsake God, what we're discussing here, how is it going to affect it? Is it going to get better? And the person stopped, just like cold in their tracks, even though the person wasn't making tracks. You know, it's in their thinking. And, and then we started laughing. Now, we started laughing because the person said, oh, you know what, <clears throat> Brother Grant, you need to share this with someone. I never, guess I never thought of that. Now, see, I'm all discouraged, and I made this statement, man, I might as well just give up. But if you give up, how will it affect what we're talking about? Will it get any better? Well, no. Well, then, if it won't get any better as a result of you giving up, then why blame God about it being so bad? Because if you get God off your back, then things ought to clear up. Well, I guess I just really never thought of that. <coughs> Will your situation get any better? You see, <clears throat> many come to God in des desperation. We just become very desperate. You find stories throughout the Bible where people come to God in desperation. Uh, truthfully, most of us did. Some severe crises drove us to the cross drove us to Calvary, drove us to Jesus. My problem was I had severe health problems. I had lost a lot of weight. I had a stomach ulcer, a bleeding stomach ulcer. 
I couldn't rest at night. Couldn't had to work there in the daytime, so I couldn't sleep then. I was taking all the medication I could possibly take, all that I could afford. And I just continued to lose weight and lose strength, and I just, I just got, I felt like I was going to die. I really did. I knew that God <clears throat> had a calling for me, and as a young person, I just didn't obey God. So I began to run from God. And you talk about monumental things happening. Listen, I had more things to happen to me physically within a couple of years than what my, if I tried to describe this just to the point of where you would understand what I'm talking about, I wouldn't have any time left. I mean, just situation after situation after situation after situation. I couldn't even go out and have fun. I'm talking about just innocent fun. I'd end up getting hurt. It was, it was just amazing. And <clears throat> so when I finally threw up my hands and I surrendered all to Jesus, I was a very desperate person. Now, I think if I, you know, called off the names of individuals and had you to stand, most of you would say the same thing. Very few of us just, oh, just didn't have anything better to do, so we got up on Sunday and thought we ought to go to church. And Uninspired about the Lord, we became inspired all of a sudden. Came to church, and preacher preached, and we said, that sounds like a good idea. I think I'll be a Christian. Very few of us came to the Lord like that. Now, it is the devil's business after we come to God to make us forget where we came from. And then we have this unrest that can build up inside of us. And once again, we become desperate. We just, we're just desperate because we feel that life's got to be better than this. It's only because we forget. That's all it is. It's only because we forget. We get to look at ourselves sometimes as being very deprived. Young people do this, especially young people. You see all these kids out in the world that are having fun. You really think they're having fun? You really think they are? Go out there and try it for a while. See how destructive it can be. I can, I can name many, many people among us today that tried that. It's a very destructive world. See, the thief cometh not but to kill and steal and destroy. Let him work on you for a while. Just let him work on you for a while. Now... <clears throat> We come to God out of desperation, and when we do, we should not forget that. We just should not forget that. You know, the Bible talks about people, gives us even stories of, of people who followed Jesus that, that this happened to. What about the ten lepers? Most of those men just walked away. 
One of them came back to praise the Lord. Now, you'd think, you'd think that a leper, wouldn't you? I mean, a man that had no church chance for living. He was cut off from his family, his friends, from everyone. You'd think that at least if Jesus Christ would have healed him, that the man would at least turn around and follow him. Now, to follow Jesus in the day of the Lord did not mean that you just literally tracked around after him. That's not what it meant. It doesn't mean that today because, I mean, where is he? It means we adhere to, follow the commandments of God, the Scripture. Well, <clears throat> I think in a physical sense that, that these men should have gone back and worshipped the Lord, but I don't think the Lord expected them to just sign up, so to speak, and say, well, I'm going to go out with you now. They didn't even take the time to come back and say thank you. They didn't do that. Now, they came to God as very desperate men. But they just, I don't know, forgot, I guess. If somebody could have gone up to them and said, look, now this leprosy is going to come back on you. If you don't walk with God, which would you rather do, walk with Jesus or have leprosy? Most of them would say, Walk with Jesus. But you see, what they wanted was, they wanted to be healed, but they didn't want the healer. And that's what your poor memory does for you. See? I'll guarantee you that if you had some way of really knowing the feelings of these men when they were in the presence of God, knowing that their their hope lie in Jesus Christ. If somehow you could measure their expectation, if somehow you could measure their faith, if somehow you could measure their emotional high, that this was the greatest moment of their entire life. I mean, to stand there to know that you're going to be healed, are you talking about an emotional high? You knew. There was no doubt about it. You knew. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Twelve years this woman had had this, and she had, let me tell you something, she had spent all of her money on the doctors. Nobody was able to, to touch her. Now, if somehow you could capture on a graph somehow the expectations, the emotions of this lady as she was pressing through the crowd and you could see graphically how these things were rising. You could see the highs and then maybe being pushed down, maybe a little dip in it and get back up. I'm going to I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Why would the graph read so high? Because she knew if she could she'd be made whole. She just, she just knew it. If somehow we could just capture that and see that. Now, I don't really know too much about the woman. I know little about her, her past. I just know that in a moment's time, she manifest, manifested faith in God. 
perseverance. Oh, she, she pressed, she pushed. I don't know if you've ever tried to get through a crowd or not. You, you think, oh, there's nothing to it. No. Just, just get into a real thick crowd and try it. See what happens. Let me tell you something. It is not easy. You wonder sometimes when you read about 13, 14 people being trampled in this by a crowd of people. How can that happen? Because we're all controlled by individual minds, and when we start in a certain way, no one person can just say, well, I'm going to stop this thing. It doesn't happen that way. But this woman, that's what she was in. Press, press, press. Push, push, push. Knock down. Get back up. If somehow you could just see what's going through her mind, you could, you could graphically see the emotions as they begin to rise. After the healing then, what next? I don't really know. I don't think you know. I just don't know. What about blind Bartimaeus? The very last time Jesus traveled through Jericho, Never went there again because he was on his way to Jerusalem <coughs> to be crucified. He would never go through Jericho. The man had one chance. But this man had obviously heard of what Jesus Christ had done. If somehow you could capture this man's heartbeat, his pulse rate, his blood pressure, his brain waves when someone said Jesus is in our town. If somehow you could just do that. I think if somehow we could do that, we would be able to see ourselves at least in a particular moment of our own life. Because I know as a young husband, a young father, sitting way back in the back of the church, and I heard the preacher talk that Jesus Christ can make you whole. And I listened to that. And I knew that so often I'd been to the doctor, and the doctor had just come back in, kind of shake his head, and said, well, we're going to try this for a while. I think if somehow I could capture that of Bartimaeus, it would probably parallel my situation. When the preacher gave an invitation for me to come and pray, April 15, 1961, on Sunday morning, I got up and made my way down to the front, and I knelt. And people began to pray for me. I don't know, I just felt like this is my only hope, my last hope, my last chance. The church was in revival services the night before I'd promised the pastor I'd come to church if I could. I couldn't even get out of the bed. And I was so sick. I just couldn't. I just absolutely couldn't. I promised him this. I'll come in the morning if I can. I got up, got dressed very sick went to the house of God 
And I don't know, just something about what he was saying that just sparked hope inside of me. It was like I could feel new life surging. It was like heaven was opened up and I could see in the spirit world differently than I'd ever seen before. I felt that something spectacular was taking place, that a moment in the history of the human race was being designed just for me. That all the man's ministry and all the prayers of all the prayer warriors and saints who'd ever prayed for me were just all being dumped together in that one service. This was my moment. This was my time. I came down. People gathered around me and began to pray for me, and I poured my heart out to God. The Lord filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the Evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I jumped up and knew I was saved. I knew I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I told my wife, I said, I'll tell you, I feel so good. I believe that God has healed me, totally healed me. We went down to my mom and dad's place. Their wedding anniversary is April 22nd. But... Uh, the church was celebrating their wedding anniversary a week earlier. I don't remember now why, but they had a big cookout, barbecue chicken. Oh, man. <clears throat> now, I've always liked chicken. I don't know why. I just cause You can't go in the ministry if you don't like chicken. You know? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that's, when, when you sign for a license with the United Pentecostal Church International, do you like fried chicken? <laughs> If you if you mark no, don't even apply. I'm just no, I'm just kidding. That's not on there. <clears throat> so I have a motto. It goes like this: Every good chicken needs a preacher. <clears throat> I told my wife. I said, you know, you're feeling so good today. I tell you where we're going to go eat lunch. <clears throat> she said, where? And I said, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and she wasn't so excited. She said. Oh, would you believe my wife cooked me fried chicken last night? She said, I just cooked you fried chicken last night. <clears throat> I said, that's the reason why I want it today. It was so good. <clears throat> so I said, I've been healed. You know, I'm going to eat some barbecued chicken. And I did. And guess what? I had many of the saints to come around. How do you feel? My wife said, how do you feel? Well, you're talking about an emotional high. I'm sitting there, and everybody's talking to me, and nothing's happening. I mean, I'm not lying on the, the ground bleeding, you know. I'm not in the bathroom in there sick. I'm just sitting here eating chicken. And guess what? I've been eating chicken ever since. <clears throat> now, what would happen to me if you robbed that moment from my life? I passed near a shopping center the other day and the traffic was real heavy and I Stopped and let my wife out. 
she went inside and I couldn't find a parking place and I just pulled back up toward the front there and I saw a lady standing there she was too far away from for me to say anything to her I looked at her and I, I could hardly believe and you know when I saw her my mind went back to not too long ago when her precious child was down here at the altar receiving the Holy Ghost. I mean, this precious child was just speaking with other tongues, just a little taught. You say, can children that young receive the Holy Ghost? I guess so. This child did. Now, I don't know what happened. It's just been very mysterious to all of us. Their best friends have not been able to determine what happened. But just all of a sudden, they just, you know, a better job came along, more money. and What's well, amazing, you know, what good jobs will do for people. It's amazing how good money will cause people to forget. Really. And it's amazing how when the job leaves you and the money depletes, how much memory it stores back inside of you. Isn't that right? Wasn't well, that what happened to the prodigal son? The Bible says when he came to himself, he was eating pig's food, eating slop, grain. That's what he was eating. The Bible says when he came to himself. You know, you know, what, you know what caused him to go back to his father's house? This is what he said. He said, even the servants in my father's house have it better than this. I have known of, I knew of one man that backslid because he didn't get to preach as much as he wanted to preach. I'm not talking about in our church. But I just knew this boy. He was a good friend of mine. He didn't get to preach as much. So he backslid. Well, first place, anybody do that ought not be preaching anyway. I mean, you may say, why? Well, look at all the places there are to preach. I mean, this this is just, if this this little four-by-four cubicle back here, or whatever usually we stand in, if this is the only place that you can preach, God's sure making a mistake, isn't he, for calling so many men into ministry. Either that or we're going to have to have a lot more services. One or the other. <clears throat> but look at all the places there are to preach. But this man just seemed to want to. He enjoyed telling people how to live, what to do. The only thing is, he forgot how to live himself. He backslid. Now, the last time I talked with him, he was having marital problems. He had a couple of children. He, his job was falling over everything. Now, he quit because he didn't have the opportunity to preach. I'm sure if you went to this man, you said, look, the average person in our church does not preach. Is that right? True. In fact, the average person attends our church does what? sits on the pew, worships God, sings the songs of Zion, prays around the altar, 
and goes home. You remember when you did that before you went into ministry? Yes. You remember how happy you were doing that? Yes. Now, can you truthfully say that what you're doing now as a result of not being able to preach is far better than what you were doing before you started preaching? You have forgotten, son. You're not thinking right. And that prodigal got to thinking about it. He says, even the hired servants, I'm talking about the ones that work in the field, the ones that make the grain, the ones that take care of the cattle, the ones that slop the pigs over my dad's eyes. At least they don't have to eat with them. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go back and see what Dad's attitude toward me is. Short memories. Search your history of the Old Testament. Obviously, God, knowing that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies, and because that he talks to people, he continually warned Israel not to forget. Open your Bible, look in your concordance, uh, run some references over and over and over. Deuteronomy 4, 6, lest thou forget the things. I'm just giving you just, I, I don't have any other scripture reference here, but I just wrote these down. Don't forget his mighty works. It's mentioned over and over and over and over and over and over in the Old Testament. Don't forget the land that you came from. It's mentioned over and over and over and over and over. Don't forget His saving power. Over and over and over and over it's mentioned. Don't forget His great benefits. What are some of the benefits of living for God? reading an article yesterday in the paper about compulsive gambling. People get hooked on gambling. It's just like, almost like it's a, you know, it's, it's an addiction. Just gamble, 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 gamble. Always thinking, you know, I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make it big. And they just, they just do this. They just think, oh, man. They hear these wild stories. You know. So they get hooked on it. And this driving force, this driving force. Look at people with alcohol problems, chemical abuse. We had a young man that attended our church probably for a year or two, just off and on. He never gave his heart to the Lord. Some of the young people, and some of you are here, you remember <clears throat> this young man. He was a, a star-type athlete at West High. He was strong. One night, though, in taking drugs, he took too much. And something inside of his brain just turned over. He, start, he started to deteriorating physically, mentally. His dad, who lived, I think, in the state of Washington, made a trip back here, came in and talked to him. He said, is there any way you could help my son? He said, my son has been a picture of health. Mentally, he's been, I mean, 
Remarkable. Look at this. What are some of the benefits of living for God? You don't have to worry about catching AIDS. You don't have to worry about hangovers. You don't have to worry about fried brains. But you just think about it. And we come in here and have our party for Jesus, so to speak, and when you leave, you can just... The thing, I'm going to tell you, the thing about worship is that while it is great when you are in the presence of people, it can be equally significant when you're alone. I have never heard of a one-man party. Tell you what I'm going to do is order a pizza, sit right here in the dark tonight, and just have a party by myself. No, that's not what it's all about. But I tell you what you can do, if in the event you are alone with Jesus Christ because of crises, circumstances, whatever, I will assure you that that same emotional high that you feel when you are partying so forth with all the Christians, you can feel that right there. In fact, some of the most sacred moments or when you are alone with God. We don't place enough value on the closet of prayer. When you get alone with God, talk with God, pull up a chair for Him, so to speak, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are in the presence of Almighty God. Don't forget his great benefits. Don't forget his law. He said, all of these commandments I give for your benefit. Some people think the Bible was created by God to make God happy. Not so. It has little or no bearing at all on the happiness of God. God does not need my praise to sustain him. He does not need my obedience to sustain Him. He doesn't even need me. The Bible is the manual of life. It's designed by God who designed me, my body, my emotions, my brain. Who designed me. He gave me an owner's manual so I can take it and know how to take care of myself. So when I sin, it's not God that's unhappy, it's John Grant that's unhappy. When I disobey, it's not that God sits on the throne with a long face. I go around with a long face. Why? Because I am not doing what I am designed by God to do. You may say, I don't like it. Well, Paul says, does the clay have the power to say to the potter, why did you make me this way or that way? You know, to say you could talk to your car. Now, you can't. I have seen a few people that I thought could, but they talked to them anyway. But let's say you, you're, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden <clears throat> something happens. You reach in the glove compartment, and you pull out the owner's manual. You say, I want to check this out. 
and all of a sudden you look underneath the dash and and where the fuse box was it's not there anymore and you said well, what's going on and all of a sudden your car said i decided i didn't want to be a chevrolet anymore i'm going to be a ford So the manual you have is not right for me. And that's what a lot of people say. They say, I decided I don't want to be that creature that was made in the image and the likeness of God. And I'm going to throw this manual away and I'm going to get another manual. But you see, man was made specifically for a purpose, for a reason, by design, and cannot be any different even if he tries. Now that doesn't mean he's living up to the fullest of his potential in God by not trying. You know, you go into your go into your to your living room or into your child's room and you see the goldfish in the boat. He said, well, you know, I've been going out and having a good time, and this goldfish, she's lonely. Stays right in his little boat. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just take him and wrap him up in my hanky. No, I'll take him with me. Put him in your pocket. All of a sudden, you know, you go down to the park and open a sandwich, and here's this beautiful lake out there. But you've been feeling sorry for that goldfish being in that water all this time. So you just kind of open the hanky and just lay him on the table and say, well, we're just going to have a picnic, just you and I, Goldie. We're going to have a picnic. What do you think is going to happen to Goldie? What do you think is going to happen to Goldie? What do you think is going to happen to him? He's going to die. And this is the reason why the Bible says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Because he was not made in the image and the likeness of Lucifer. He was made in the image and in the likeness of God. And there are certain laws you may defy, but you can't break them and get by with it. And you can't break that law and get by with it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Oh, don't forget His law. Praise God. Lord, we love You. Oh, glory. Don't forget His voice. How many times do you read that in the Old Testament? Don't forget His holy mountain. That's mentioned many times. In other words, the experience that they had around Sinai. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. This is when God first talked to Israel. You remember when God first talked with you? You probably were a little child. Cling to that memory. Don't forget that. That may be the sustaining force in your life that will help you in some troubled hour, even though you be years removed from that experience. I, I can remember the first time that I say I can remember. I, I rem the first time I can remember that God talked with me, I cling to that. 
The preacher preached. I stood up. I was just a little tiny kid. I just stood there. This preacher preached with such great anointing. The power of God was on. Oh, it was in a, a little country church and hot. It was so hot. You could see steam just, I mean, really, literally rising from his head. I could just see the steam go out. Man, he was preaching, 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 preaching. And when he gave the altar call, I stood. I think most people thought I was too small to pray. I think most people thought that, I don't know, you know, they, they probably just thought church was for big people. I was just standing there, just a little, little guy. I, I didn't know if I should step out. I didn't know what I should do. But I will say this. I was just hoping that somebody would come and say, John, would you like to pray? I was just feeling that. God was just talking to me. I never want to forget it. I never want to forget it. There have been a few times that God has talked with me, and I never want to forget it. I remember when Sister Graham was expecting Steve. We were out of Bible school and starting a church, and I couldn't find a job, and I had a flat on my car, and then I was out visiting, had another flat, didn't have a spare, didn't have any money. I remember driving along the road, and the old tire was just a flopping. I was embarrassed about it. You know, I said, well, there's a new preacher, you know. I remember driving up the side of a boy. I said, you want to ride? <laughs> he was hitchhiking. He looked and he says, I'm, I'm going as fast as you are, sir. <laughs> he didn't dare want to get in the car with me. I went, to, went home and parked the car, walked to church my three miles. Everybody left, and I turned the lights off. I knelt down at the altar to pray. God, talk to me. I'll tell you what. What got a hold of me that night has never left me. I never want to forget it. Never. I was fully prepared to walk back home. A brother from the church came back. He was home eating. He got to thinking, now, Brother Grant didn't have a car in there tonight. His car wasn't there. I wonder how he got there. He said, I started praying. The Lord told me to come back. He came back over the church. I don't want to forget it. It means more to me than anything else in this world. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord again. Give us a good memory, Lord.
Jesus had this to say. He gathered his disciples in an upper room. It's called the Last Supper. Just something about the Last Supper that just strikes a significant note in my heart. I remember the last time I saw my dad. The last time. We visited alone in the hospital. I had such a good visit with him. The last time. The last supper. When Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it, served it to his disciples. When he took the juice, the fruit of the vine, took that cup and blessed it, passed it around. He says, now, as oft as you drink this, you do it in remembrance of me. We need a good memory of our relationship with God. When you drink this, think of the blood of Calvary. They didn't know then what it meant. His blood had not been shed. When that bread was broken, they didn't know that that was significant of all those stripes and that limp, dead body on the cross. They didn't know that. But they remember that Last Supper, and when they got together as Christians, and when they poured that juice in that cup, and when they broke that bread, they thought of that scene. It was still alive. If you don't have a good memory of God, you won't last. If somehow the devil robs you of that. I'm speaking to some this morning that need to hear this. Some of you have not spoken with other tongues and God only knows how long. Some of you have not prayed and danced in the Spirit. And God knows how long. But I will say, it's been too long. Could it be that you've forgotten how happy you were? How good it made you feel? When I went down in the tank, was baptized, and when I came up, I had this clean feeling all inside of me. The Bible says, for the remission of sins. And every time I baptize someone, I ask them, how do you feel inside? And they all repeat, I mean, without exception, so clean. So clean. You see, I ask them that because I still remember. And I never want to forget it. 
want you to stand with me this day. There's such a sweet presence of God here. Let's worship Him. I want our praise singers to sing, and I want you to prayerfully consider your relationship with God. Think about it now. I was nothing until you found me. You have given life to me. Why don't you come on and seek the Lord? Would you like to step right out and come and give your heart to God? Come on right now. Let's come and pray. There's room here for you to pray and seek God. Come on. Yeah. 